Ever wonder what it'd be like to keep data like a Funko Pop? We'll find out in this exciting episode of STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. Coming at you right about now. Yay! Woo! <laughs> this is why, I wonder why Roddenberry didn't, he probably just at this time knew to get his name on the theme song. So he didn't come up with lyrics like he did for the original series. And we're not going to don't 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 start with the original series again. <laughs> I don't we've know gotten, why that irritates you so much. We, we've gotten tens of letters. Oh, have we? Telling us, please, for the love of God, just make it stop. Somebody's complaining about us. Everyone is complaining about us. But okay. Most of them are complaining about the song. Do you know that really they don't want to hear uh, my my renditions anymore? No. Welcome, everybody. To STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast, I'm Ambassador Andrew, and with me as always is... Commander Dave E. Dave. Commander Dave E. Dave is cleaning out the pattern buffer of your transporting heart. It's my favorite thing to do. The theme song to this show, the show that we're we're re-watching all 178 Mm -hmm. episodes of, do you know where that first appeared, Andrew? Wasn't that in one of the Star Trek motion pictures? It was actually in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Wow. In credits. And I was so surprised because I actually thought it was invented when this show started and then they dropped it in one of the movies just so that there'd be some kind of recognition. But but no, they recycled that song. Bless our hearts for being uh, environmentally conscious of their music usage. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't either, but welcome, everybody. We're excited because we have a really great episode to talk to you about tonight. It's called The Most Toys there, Commander Davey Dave. I did hey, know that. Are you busy right now? I I was just about to watch the next episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, but I'm, I can be here if you need me. Well, I was just wondering if you could do me a favor and maybe tell the listeners of this particular episode what the most toys, What what is that about? It's all about the data love in this one, as everyone's favorite android dies in an explosive shuttle accident. Uh-oh. Or does he? Oh, well, of course he doesn't. The accident is staged to conceal a droid napping as eccentric collector Kivis Fajo looks to add data to his collection of one-of-a-kind objects. Hmm. Fajo is a messed up dude who loves his stuff and isn't afraid to torture his crew to get data to put on an ugly jumpsuit or sit in a very uncomfortable looking chair. Meanwhile, Jordy is laying on the top of his bed with his boots on, unable to believe that his best buddy is gone. Mm. Will, all been there. will the intrepid engineer be able to discover the truth before Data is forced to surrender to Fajo's whims. Mm. Will Worf be able to adjust to assuming Data's old job? Mm. <laughs> Will someone tell that guy with the rings in his face to stop picking his extra hole? On this exciting episode of STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. Yay, I can't wait. Oh, do you want to talk about that lady that used to sing the theme song in the oh original series, Andrew? Oh, my God. Could you please shoot me with a Veron T disruptor? I don't understand why that's such a big... Uh, why, why it's, it's interesting to me, okay? 
The Veronique Disruptor? No, the 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 lady that sings that song at the beginning of the original series episode. Was that the end of her career? I, you know, did what? she go on and and reach over other? Yeah, she was a big time opera singer at the time. Oh yeah, big time, big time. Uh, are we going to talk about this episode, or we're we just going to talk about this lady that used to scream at the top of the uh, show? Well, I think this is a fun episode. Most data episodes are fun episodes. Because it's Star Trek, we we have to deal with some Star Trek stuff. Like the, the the plot really depends on some of the usual Trek silliness. So Data is supposed to be transporting some like volatile pickle brine vinegar <laughs> no. from Kivas Fajo's ship, the Jovis, to the Enterprise because the water on Beta Agni Two is poison. I know. I mean, I only know because I watched the episode, but the, the silliness in the beginning with all those words that were hard to uh, say. You know, I, I, I refuse to remember what the name of the, the chemical was because it was hytridium. And it's not, <laughs> you know, it's just hytridium. Hey, hytridium, buddy. Yeah, I saw them. The, 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 our gas station started uh, supplying people with hytridium just a couple days ago. It's cheaper than the diesel. Right. Of course, it's incredibly volatile. It's it's incredibly dangerous, incredibly rare. But I like the fact that it's so explosive, they decide to send data. Right. Because, you know, fuck data, right? Just, just go ahead and, and put data on the ship to bring it back and forth. I, I don't understand why they don't protect this guy more. Because on one hand, they're going like, it's really dangerous, so data will have to do it, right? But then it's like really dangerous so the one-of-a-kind robot is going to get spoilers andrew but this robot actually does get blown up eventually and it was like a ticking uh, time bomb for this dude <laughs> it is sort of ironic that he does end up blowing himself up at the end of nemesis <laughs> it's, and and it, it just like the universe wants to blow him up they're all gunning for him no one's told fajo about lore or no one's told fajo about well nobody knows at this point until uh the final movie, Star Trek Nemesis, we find out there's another android, the uh, B4, which do is we, ridiculous. We do find that out. At the end of our seasons, as a bonus, as a gift to the listener, but we like to add these bonus episodes where we rewatch these movies that they made when they tried to spin the show off into the movie franchise, and we at the end of this season, are going to be visiting Insurrection, and that's movie three. But Insurrection. And, and I got to tell you, Andrew, this is my same experience with Insurrection, the the last one. Nemesis. I saw that movie one time, one time. So when we, when we view that at the end of season four, I will be viewing it for the second time in my whole life. That's it. We're, we're only about four or five episodes away from the Insurrection episode. Uh, so listeners, you have that to look forward to. Don't. It's an... What? Don't what? Don't get too excited, Andrew. But if you didn't know, we already recorded that episode, and it's just it there. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Oh my God! There it is. It's just sitting there, waiting for people to listen to it. If you you haven't had the opportunity to enjoy F. Murray Abraham with shit all over his face, that's what's waiting for you. Academy Award winner F. Murray Abraham. F. Murray Abraham got F'd in that one, man. So okay, so so they send data and you. You remember they used to have red shirts for this on the original yeah. show? They had this whole phalanx of, of these guys in red shirts. They get blown up all the time or shot or murdered or eaten by a salt creature. Yeah, you're trying to prove that the planet is made of explosive rocks. So you send one of those idiots down there and they get blowed up <laughs> or space Abraham Lincoln tears the head off them or something and drinks their blood like a like a juice bottle. Did that happen? 
Speaking of juice, by the way, I'm going to enjoy. I'm having a little uh, throat issue today, so I, I'm enjoying some just pure water from my colorful, my famous colorful thermos. The throat issue you're having isn't that isn't that you're doing a podcast about Star Trek. That's not the uh, that's not the illness. Well, I didn't want to say that, but no, no, no. It's just some sort of. I'm going to pop my uh, fruit beverage of the week or of the episode. What is it? Listen Go to ahead. this one. You're going to love it. It's fruit acopia. You know, like. Corn. <laughs> I'm not making this shit up. You know, cornucopia. It's fruitocopia. Can you believe it? Hold on. Fruitocopia. Mm. Okay. What about you, Murray? Murray, we got we got a beverage. It's made of fruit, and it's a lot of fruit, Murray. What are we going to call this thing? Let's let's throw this around the room. Come on now. Uh, uh, flute ejaculation. Uh, let's uh, whiteboard this shit. What are we gonna call this? It's like a listen to this. It, it, when I drank it, it was like a it was like having an enema, but in your mouth. It's like a fruit enema in your mouth. So the, don't they have red shirts for this? Isn't there like you know? Hello, hey, hey Lieutenant Schmucky, what are you doing? You want to fly a shuttle? Too bad we don't have that yar around anymore. We could have sent her down. Where's Harry's dad? Remember the kid who carved the dolphins? Where's Harry Sr.? What was that episode where we had the engineering twins uh, that, that just happened. That was... Uh... In Tin Man. <laughs> why, why can't one of the engineering twins date do Those it? two guys. And if something blows up, you have the other twin. It doesn't matter. Exactly. And this is exactly how you get your robot stolen. It's like the warp core on the ship. You know, you got to protect this stuff. It's valuable property. They just don't do a very good job at it. And they also give them the shittiest shuttle. They give them that little, you know, like, Fiat 500 of shuttles. You know, that little uh, I know. Chevy Spark of shuttles. That's the shuttle that Picard killed himself in. Oh, yeah, that's right. When, when he's like, hey. Alternate Picard. And he's like, Captain Picard, die, bitch. <laughs> hey, me, look over here for a moment. And then he shot him and killed him. And O'Brien stood there and watched and was like, God damn. Oh, hi. I'm going to have to journal about this. <laughs> I've been keeping a bullet journal. I saw the captain kill himself. I saw the captain. He just straight up shot himself, he did. <laughs> I don't think they took the mini one out when Picard and Wesley were off doing their bonding episode where uh, Picard was going Oh, no, where they're making the sandwiches where he's yeah, getting his heart transplant? He, no, no, they took the luxury model for that. Because he's like, they oh. Took, they took the crossover SUV of shuttles for that. Well, it had a kitchen in it because Picard went uh, away and came back with a plate full of these sandwiches that they were eating together. And they replicate that shit, man. They don't have a kitchen. You don't think Picard's back there actually <laughs> making a sandwich. Wait, we've been talking about making these sandwiches forever. Are you saying that they just have a machine that does this? <laughs> Get the fucking replicator for it. That's the whole point of the replicator. Can you imagine if you could order any kind of food in the whole universe and that's what you asked for? You know what I fancy? Forget about caviar, escargot, all that French shit. I'd like a couple cucumber finger sandwiches. I really fancy them. Captain, Captain, I kind of, I like a hoagie. I like a foot long, uh... No, uh, you know, like a BLT or maybe like a spicy Italian or something like you, that. You, you, you eat finger sandwiches with your captain. <laughs> this is a small shuttle, Wesley. I'm not going to sit in here for the next five hours reading Macbeth and smelling your space farts. <laughs> Remember Why that do I want it smelling full of hot salami. Remember that dead kid in Stand by Me. That's what your breath smells like. No offense. Remember when River Phoenix died? 
Your breath smells like his corpse. Very funny laughing at dead teenagers. My whole career is based on it. <laughs> so so that's the idea. They, 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 they have data going back and forth, shuttling this right. crap, and then it explodes. And they do that thing that they do where they, they suck it down, right? They, they suck it down and get the job done. We've seen this a couple of different episodes where they're like, you know, well, people are dead and that's really terrible, but... You know, we just gotta we just gotta put it away for now, right? Like when in Contagion from last season, the other galaxy class spaceship exploded right in front of them. I mean, they stood there and looked at it when it was happening, and they tried not to react. It's like if you saw thousands of people die right in front of your face in the future, apparently it's not that bad. No, you get over it. You get past it. You're like, eh, it happens. You know, so the whole bridge watches this explosion happen and data is destroyed but there is a shot of picard and this is to patrick stewart's credit stewart does react he mutes his reaction but he is startled and he's the most reactive of everybody on the bridge you know yeah yeah he totally he clamps that shit down and he doesn't i mean what would be the difference if you did react like a normal human being to something exploding why would that be so bad honestly even when I saw it the first time as a viewer, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't even know Data. Right. I just know him on TV. He's not even like my best friend or anything like that. But I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> what the fuck happened there? And it would have been great if he's like, oh, oh, shit, number one. Oh, no. Holy shit. Did you see that, Captain? What the fuck? Did you just see that? And then and then the response was so muted. It's and this is right before the commercial break. Worf said something and I could I couldn't hear him. I had to rewind it like three times to hear what he said. He goes, what did he say? Data. Data. <laughs> it's like he's the only one that realizes that right. data's on board. But does he, he what like, is what the exactly oh shit, there goes the shuttlecraft. Wait, <laughs> is there anything else we need to be worried about? <laughs> well, there goes the hydridium. I just wanted to see someone with an honest, shocked reaction, like, damn, or like, oh, 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 you know, something. I think about things that I've seen explode when it weren't supposed to explode, about about shocking things I've seen in my life. Yes. And there are definitely times when I was, like, shocked to silence, but most of the time it's been like, oh, damn, damn. Well, there's a lot of really terrible shit going on in the world, and when I'm watching the news, I sit there and react to it. I don't just <laughs> look at it. Yes. You see something terrible explode, and I think that as citizens of the t- 2020s, we've all seen some really big shit blow up, and... It is terrifying. I mean, there's just, it's still terrifying. Yes. To think about this and to watch their muted reactions is, it's a weird choice. I don't, I don't really totally get why they do it. Well, I guess they're supposed to be space professionals. Right, right, right. You're a space professional and you're just really cool. And again, it's been something that's come up where they've said, you know, we have to suppress this. We have to put this aside for now. Right. You know, this terrible thing has happened. Like Tasha Yar was murdered in front of us and we really are freaked out by this. But we have to set this aside right now and take care of that giant glob of, of shit Armas. You know, it's awkward for us. I could just I can understand the the concept of, you know, you have to do your duty. They have to be they have to care about these right. faceless people on Beta Agni, too. <laughs> right. They, they don't even get like a representative. You know, a lot of times when they're going to rescue some of these planets, like the moon is about to crash in right. or something, you get someone on the view screen. It's like, uh, Captain Picard, 
Captain Picard, this is, you know, Yang Mok from uh, Beta Agni 2, and we're awful thirsty, Captain Picard. I sure hope you're coming with the brine juice soon, because we're thirsty. It's me, the leader, uh, the Agnistrate. Enterprise, are you going to come anytime soon? We're really getting nervous here. Excuse me, uh, Enterprise Captain McCart. I don't mean to be like, you know, that guy, but I'm chewing on a piece of leather here trying to get some saliva going. I really got to <laughs> kind of drying up <laughs> over here. You think you're going to warp over here soon and clean up our water? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that gum from the 80s? It's right, probably around when this show was out. And the commercial, the gum was supposed to make your mouth salivate more. And do you remember this stuff? And the commercial, this is, I'm not making this up. And the commercial will go, you've got dry mouth. And then you chew this gum. I tried it a few times and it would make your mouth all full of water. It was disgusting. But, but there was also a gum that had like some juice in it. Yeah, the yeah. Idea was that you would oh, bite into it. Yeah, it like, I had that too. What was that? What was that? Whatever it was, it was disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it had was like just a, appalling. Like the gum was formed around this little liquid cube, and then you'd bite into it. I totally forgot about that. We got to find this stuff. What the hell was that called? I, I don't ever want to find it. I, I really don't want anything to do with it ever. Mouth it's disgusting uh, uh, now that I think about it. So it turns out that Data's fine. Data's yeah. alive. Of course he's alive. Thank it's you for shock. the clarity. And, and, and he's been kidnapped, it seems, by this this guy, Kivas Fajo. Kivas Fajo. And Kivas Fajo, I am going to come out right here and say I love I love this character. I think it's probably the best Trek villain, if not one of the best Trek villains, because he is just unrelentingly evil. And there's no qualification to it. Yeah. He's just evil. I know, and I like that, and we should see more of these evil bastards. And we, we we talked about this way back in Data Lore when Lore showed up for the first time, and only time so far, but Lore is bad. I mean, he is an evil dude, and he wants to kill people. And this guy is on the same plane, and I like seeing these characters that have a real threat completely imprison or destroy our favorite characters, it creates a sense of danger that we don't always get on this show. The, the difference to me between Lore and any of these other people, Khan, Romulans, Klingons, whatever, than Fajo, is that they have some sort of ulterior motive. Lore's thing is that he always feels that Data was treated better than he was, that he was the damage model that Sung disposes of. Right. If there's any number of little quirks to his character. Fajo's thing is he just he doesn't care about any of that. He knows what he's doing is wrong. Right. right? He knows it's evil. He knows it's he says, what I've done is evil, selfish, immoral, unprincipled, and illegal. And he's like, hey, I've learned to live with it. He does not care. Right. And that's what makes him terrifying. Yeah, but it's motivation on the same level as Lore in that Lore is motivated by different things, but this guy is motivated by creating this collection of one-of-a-kind things, and he's willing to do anything to do that. And Lore is motivated by his feelings about himself, but he's willing to take it you know, all the way. He's willing to destroy the entire Enterprise to outsmart his brother or kill his brother if he has to. So what I was saying is, Fajo has no reason to be this way. There's nothing that we learn about at the core of this character that makes him this way. Lore is reacting to a specific situation in his creation. 
Fonjo even makes a joke out of it, right? He's like, oh, you know, I, I had a hard life living in the streets. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I was actually, I'm, I'm kidding. You know, it's totally not true. <laughs> right. You I don't like know that. what his background is. All we know is he just does not care. So he has stuff that he's doing. He's doing evil. And his motive is to collect. But his, his final, his driving force, his operating principle is just, I don't care. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying, but I think that they are unusual villains in the show. And I wish we could see more of them outside of the Borg, of course, who are scary, but they're not motivated by, you know, anything that makes any sense to us. Oh, you know what? I know what it is. I know what it is. It's a sympathy thing. So is it possible for do you have any sympathy for Lore? I mean, do you kind of feel bad for Lore in any way? Well, I feel bad because he's Brent Spiner playing him, and I. But, <laughs> but the like, we've only seen one lore episode so far, so I'm just thinking about the one we saw and how devious and threatening he was to everybody on the Enterprise crew working with that crystalline entity. Yeah. Okay. At this point, sure. I, I mean, the dude killed a bunch of kids. He's a bad guy. So maybe as it moves forward, you develop more of a sympathy for him because you start feeling bad for him. In that one episode, I didn't really have any sympathy for him. Well, with the Borg, I could argue the Borg, they're a predator of a higher order than we are. I mean, they're just following their natural imperative. When the Borg are done right, the Borg are not evil. The Borg are just a force. They're a faceless right. it's force. A force and, of nature, yeah. You're a means to their end. Right. right. And I and I know it's a different it elicits a different thing in the story. It, you're you're scared for our characters, but it's kind of like a faceless villain, like a natural disaster or something that's coming after the crew, and which is why they work so well for me, because I loved as a kid zombies and i love this idea of all these things that we have now that are about zombies when i was a kid i loved watching horror movies with zombies because it was like a natural disaster movie with uh, zombies since what's a good like the towering inferno or the yeah right, right. or whatever you know what are, adventure all those movies that you and i saw Twister. as kids yeah so kivas faja this kivas faja uh, this name of his this is one of these names again. These may I, I mean, do I sound very like so Western minded that they're actually sounding like names that are non like kind of European names? And I'm I'm missing the target on this. Is that what's happening? Or do these names just well, sound I think made up? Fajo was actually named after someone this time or or at least the Fajo. I don't know. I, I Kivas Fajo is a name that stuck with me. <laughs> I, I've it's for years afterwards. You know, I've thought about that name. Kivas is, well, Kivas is a real name that I've heard before. The name backwards is Savik Ojaf, and that sounds just as weird as. (laughs) Oh, man. That sounds. Savik Ojaf. If the name works frontward and backwards the same, I mean, what's going on, guys? Well, he's played by Saul Rubinek. So Saul Rubinek is is a storied Broadway actor and director. He's got a long history. Apparently, he's just like a hardcore Star Trek fan, too. Right. Who wanted to tour the set and then ended up in the role. A lot of people might know him uh, if you watch Frasier, if you're old enough to watch Frasier. He plays Daphne's fiance, Donnie. Or if you watch that Clint Eastwood Western, The Unforgiven. He plays like this pulp writer who shows up in town with Richard Harris and ends up hanging out with Gene Hackman. And he, he mm. plays this this kind of timid little city guy with his stubby pencil and he's writing notes. I remember that character. 
Yeah, it's it's a fun. You know what? Unforgiven. Whatever you think about Clint Eastwood, and and I can go, you know, on and on about Clint Eastwood. I do like Unforgiven. That's that's a movie I enjoy. Clint Eastwood has made so many movies that not all of these movies are going to be great. I mean, there's there's plenty of movies that. I mean, have you ever seen the Dirty Harry movies? Come on, Andrew. Oh, yeah, of course, of course, I have. Who who do you want to hear? Magnum you want to hear my force? You want to hear my impression? Seven Magnum. Of sudden impact? Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, well, we're not just going to let you walk out of here. And then the guy that is robbing the donut shop goes, Who's we, sucker? And then Clint raises the gun up and he goes, Smith and Wesson and me. <laughs> Talk about war on drugs, man. He, Nancy wow. Reagan, the shit out of that guy right in there. I mean, wow. that guy deserved to die because he was like, mm, he's going to rob that donut shop. So Saul Rubinek, who I think is amazing in this role. I mean, he's a very good actor and he's really good in this role. He plays he it is. broadly with like all of these affectations. He just delivers these lines so convincingly. I would never want to hang out with this guy, but I totally want to I want to hang out with him or I want to watch him <laughs> hang out with others. He's just funny and he's evil and he's wrong. He collects to collect. He collects because he right. just wants to have things that no one else has. And then there's a scene when Data is introduced to this room that I guess he's going to spend the rest of his life in where he's going to sit on this chair in this kind of exhibit. And we get to see the other things that are part of his collection. Yeah, these one-of-a-kind treasures. Well, first of all, I have to say about that chair because one of the things is he wants Data to wear this Jump, weird, ugly jumpsuit. <laughs> well, which you know, I'm not going to get into the. Let's just say there's a lot of ugly jumpsuits in this episode. But then also sit in this remarkably uncomfortable looking chair. It's like he couldn't collect like the most comfortable chair in the universe. Yeah, this ugly fucking thing. Yeah, well, Data's smooth ass has been sitting in that Enterprise chair for his whole life. It just seems so unkind. I mean, here he's going to keep this guy a prisoner. You know, maybe it's like, uh, the, you know, the doctor from season two, like, you're just a, the android. You can't feel a thing. So why should it matter? Yeah. So what do you care if you sit on this hard ass chair? So what are some of the things he has in his collection, Dave? Okay. So there's a Roger Maris baseball card. And I love that because it's sealed up like in this little cabinet and they open it up and Data smells something. And then Fajo smells it too. And he goes, <laughs> this is the only known Roger Maris trading card from Earth c- circa 1962. The smell? bubblegum i preserve the scent okay i thought he said it in a weird way like he didn't know like as if it was so antiquated that they didn't Mm. even know what bubblegum was anymore well actually he says it like they do know what bubblegum is which is kind of that's weird like do you think data has ever chewed gum oh yeah he's into it he's snapping his gum all the time because mr data i've told you stop snapping your gum (laughs) we used to get in trouble in school all the time for that for snapping our gum the teachers could not bear it. It was not acceptable. At no all. bubbles on my bridge. Well, can you imagine that like we weren't allowed to chew gum in class, but now these poor teachers have to have people turn their cell phones off every five seconds? I mean, I know. they, they I had know. no idea what was coming when they were complaining about that. Yeah, we can't chew gum, but now kids are mainlining heroin right in class. They're putting it right between their toes. <laughs> well, it's he- fucked up. But they also he also has a little pet. He has a thing called a lapling, which is which is played <laughs> quite quite neatly by a puppet. It is, and it it's one of these effects where you know they made this creature. I don't want to ruin the illusion of it, but it was somebody's hand in a thing. It's obviously a puppet. I mean, there's no <laughs> illusion know. there. There's got to be the, something wrong with you to think. I was like, hey, is that really a lapling? 
you know, so in movies and in more complicated television shows, sometimes they'll do a thing like this where you create a creature and there's some old fashioned magic tricks that they used to do to kind of hide the hand effect part of it. Like Beetlejuice was a movie kind of in the same era and it had a lot of really outrageous effects, but it also had a lot of practical effects and they did a lot of stuff with mirrors and hid things. And so one of the tricks that you would do is put a mirror under the thing and it would reflect it, so it didn't look like you're in a cabinet. Like the dude, there's a dude in a cabinet with his hand poking out of the top of it. Mm-hmm. And instead of it looking like a cabinet, you would reflect back what was opposite the mirror. So then it would give you the illusion that there was space underneath and there was no person right. under there. So it, and it's not a super duper hard effect. This show sometimes does stuff like that, but here it would have been great if they did this that. This is a puppet in a in a sandbox. I know, I mean, and this the, is and, a puppet with some moss. You know, I mean, it's so obviously a puppet. What ruined the illusion for me, though, is that still this is a, still, still a good episode. I know we're criticizing this part of it. The the moss attached to the hand puppet part of it. So when it kind of moved yeah. up, it kind of pulled yeah. the whole floor with it. And it just ruined the illusion of the thing. But, you know, what was funny I was reading online is that when he feeds it, did you hear the sound that he made when he fed it? No, I don't remember. He says, digga, 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 when he feeds it. It's very close to our bigga, 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 bigga from bigga, bigga. Uh, our, our bigga, favorite. Bigga. No, it's bitty, bitty, bitty. That's it. Bitty, bitty, bitty. Why do we always say bigga, bigga, bigga? Because <laughs> we're, we're not, you know, this is not a documentary. This is a All podcast. Right. So this, but what, what anyways, bitty, bitty, bitty. besides that, it was close to our foolishness, but it was also, I guess, the actor invented this on the set and people were so amused by it that I guess they kept saying it afterwards. It was like a behind the scene joke that the crew would say about things. Bitty, bitty, bitty. Yeah. Bitty, bitty, bitty. Well, well, Star Trek has a small history of puppets. I mean, not nearly as puppet centric as our friends over at the Star Wars universe. No. But no. you have the ear creature on Seti Alpha 5 with uh, with Khan, you know, with the, the claws. That's that's a puppet in a tank. Yeah, that's what Khan used. I mean, that was cool when I saw that the first time as a kid watching that. I thought that was just about the coolest thing. I bought that. I bought oh, yeah. that illusion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, me too. And if you haven't seen it, Khan is the super soldier, and he has this really dangerous creature in this aquarium thing, and he reaches in there and clamps it down, holds it down, and then pinches out of its back this other creature that they're going to put in the ear of somebody. Mr. Chekhov, they put... Creatures in our bodies and made us say lies and the lies. Poor, <laughs> <laughs> poor uh, Paul Winfield too. Chekhov's captain. What you know? What's good to know, Andrew, is that twenty years into the future, Chekhov doesn't become a captain. He still is like the the second mate behind <laughs> some other captain. Yeah, that's nice to know. He never he never makes any progress. <laughs> right. Gene, Gene, is it too outrageous to make it a captain Chekhov? In Star Trek 2? I can't do Gene. My throat's killing me. Jesus Christ, Gene. Gene, hello. Hello, this is Cyril. It's, it's, I'm sorry, Gene's out right now. This is Cyril. Cyril Roddenberry, Gene's cousin. The great swan. The great swan, great swan. Listen, this whole evolution of your gene, I've been reviewing some of our early episodes. And, and, yes. the, and the gusto, the gusto that used to come out of, it was a younger gene, a younger gene. I understand that. A more but, robust gene. Yeah, just like the, the spirit of gene was just, there was no abandon to it. You, you just went for it. And even when you do gene now, you're like, oh, I have to worry about, I have to go to work tomorrow and worry about my voice. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm sorry. It's terrible 
actually living indoors gets in the way of my artistry here <laughs> on the podcast. And I apologize to the listeners for for not giving 110%. Just think of the fans. Just think of the fans of Gene. But the thing with Fajo is that, that that strikes me is he's so completely awful and he has things that are one of a kind things, right? And right. you know that he must have stolen them or received them through, you know, back channels. And wouldn't that put him on someone's radar somewhere? I, I mean, my thing is I don't know where the Enterprise found this guy. And don't they vet their partners at all? Well, they were they conned. Have like a space Yelp or something? <laughs> right. Well, look, I mean, th- these guys were conned again. I mean, this this galaxy class vessel with supposedly the smartest people in Federation piloting it have been fooled by saboteurs this season. They've been tricked by terrorists. Uh, you know, so wouldn't surprise me that this guy would somehow outsmart them and steal their robot because that that's what happens but it's just i mean they, they obviously they look for him because he has the high tritium you know he's like one of the only people to have it and they're like you know okay fine we'll go there and nobody checks his background at right. all at least that i could tell because it seems like he would come up you know major red flags the minute you looked him up <laughs> Well, how about this? Listen, listen, how about this? Uh, excuse me, Deanna, would you mind scanning every guest we Thank have you. on you. this ship when they come in? Just do me a little. I, I'm not sure what you're doing all the time, but do well, your captain a little favor and do a quick run through. She used to come up and say things like, he's lying, Captain. Captain. Right. He's totally lying. He's a but, lying sack uh, of shit, Captain. But this is the thing that always kills me with this, with having her on the ship. And she basically doesn't exist in this episode for this very reason, because they can't. They're like, wait a second. Why can't we use the Beta Z and have her figure out where Data is? Because now we supposedly understand that she has some kind of telepathy or telekinesis or something. So, wh- you know, why can't she find the robot? Well, okay, that makes sense because, you know, Data is a robot. He doesn't have that. That's why Tam Elbrin liked Data so much because he didn't put out any psychic waves, right? So that I understand. I guess. But that she doesn't like look at Fajo and go, uh, Captain, uh, Captain, this guy is totally (laughs) sketchy as hell. Captain, he's what the young people call sus. I like that in this season, the episode called The Bonding. She is on the bridge, and she gets a psychic vibration that tells her this bomb's going to go off on the planet, but it happens like literally three seconds before it actually goes off. Maybe they could have just had her go like, I think Commander Data's shuttle is in uh, jeopardy. Boom! Fajo also has fun friends because he has Powler Toff. You, you, you know Powler Toff, right? Dan? No. Uh, who's that? He's this guy with all these holes in his face. Oh, and he th- he thinks oh, the that... thing to do is to take one of these holes and shove <laughs> like a gold ribbon in it. It's weird. He's got basically like three gigantic nostrils, and somehow this ribbon thing is fed through one of them. And then he also picks one of the, the holes on his <laughs> face. He sticks his big, thick finger <laughs> right in his middle hole, and, it, and he's just standing in the back of that, just like picking his holes. <laughs> so gross it would have been better if he pulled something out of it that that would have made me laugh but did you know that Powler toft is played by the uh, legendary actor nehemiah persoff no what is this dude famous for he, he played yentl's dad in yentl oh papa can you hear me oh he's papa 
He's Papa. Papa, can you hear me? Yeah, he would be the Papa. Listen, I don't know if you're aware, but I'm about to start my one-man show. Yentl, he's a man playing a woman, playing a man, playing a woman. I I do all the parts. I'm. Oh, you do Mandy Patinkin even? Yes, I'm Mandy. I'm I'm Papa and and Yentl. <laughs> That would be amazing. I'd love to never see that. You, you're going to love it. He, from Go my ahead. window, I can only see a piece of the sky. I stepped outside. If Sir Patrick actually had gone on to do a Yentl, that, that would have been solid gold. Solid gold. So the whole point is that Fajo... That Fajo did you know I'm performing my own one-man show, everyone? He's trying to keep Data there. Fajo Data doesn't want to leave. And, and he wants Data to be like an exhibit for him. Right. And Data's like, no, I'm going to leave. I'm going to do everything in my power to resist right. you. Yeah, he wants to get his ass out of there. And the, the whole thing becomes about how can Data escape or how is Data going to resist him? Because he can't beat Fajo up because Fajo's got a force field on. He right. apparently can't get out of the room because the door is is some super strong door. It's data proof. Yes. And and so there's all these sort of gimmick and coercion that he tries on data. Like data doesn't want to wear the jumpsuit, so he throws acid on his uniform. On data's, yeah. Right. And he says to data, you know, do you have any modesty? Because you could walk around here bare ass naked. I don't care. <laughs> or you could put on this hideous jumpsuit. I mean, the, the motivation is really to show that Data is trying to resist, and he's trying to resist all these things that are being done to him. And one of the things is telling him to change his clothes, and Data refuses. He's refusing to permit this guy to control him. It, Data is kind of befuddled here. He's, he's befuddled by Fajo because he's never dealt with anyone so straight-up evil. And Data is still being presented to us as a character who is naive in the ways right. of human interaction and so on. And so Fajo is pretty fast talking. Data even says he's a great debater. He's throwing logic or attempts at logic, convoluted logic at Data every chance he gets. But when that doesn't work, it's time for some coercion. And Data just doesn't have it. He doesn't want to kill the guy or he can't kill the guy or he's not a killer. He doesn't want to be particularly violent. But it still seems to me he should be able to come up with some way to break out of there, don't you think? Well, I don't know. I believe the, the whole thing that he was trapped. I was just kind of waiting for him to resist long enough until he found an opening. What ends up happening, though, is that it gets worse. And this dude threatens one of his employees, this Varia, the, with this disruptor that's going to disintegrate her. And, and it's going to be a very painful death. And when he realizes... Baron T. Disruptor. Data realizes he's not going to use it on Data because it doesn't make sense to destroy Data. And then this guy is going to victimize this woman who I, I don't know if you read this, Andrew, but there's some missing scenes from this episode. And supposedly Data and this woman have some kind of a romance going on. There's a scene. Oh, gross. There, yeah. So there's a scene where they either talk about hooking up or, or she's into him. And it's supposed to give the weight to this ending sequence it's supposed to make it weightier that data actually has feelings for this person but it still works the way it is because he feels for humans and he doesn't want her to die and he'll do what he can to prevent 
you know, innocent death. Well, it's also one of Asimov's laws that he is supposed to prevent humans from being harmed through either action to harm a human or inaction to allow a human right. to be harmed. That's supposed to be one of the basic rules that runs his android brain, right? That's that's deeply instilled. And the cool thing is, Fajo's got this thing called the Veronti Disruptor, which I've been making fun of, which is this prop that you're going to see a million different times in the show. But the Veronti Disruptor is like a vicious weapon banned by the Federation right. because it disintegrates its victims slowly and painfully. The worst two ways. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be disintegrated, you want it to be fast and pleasant. Right, right. But still, I mean, it was pretty A soothing fast. disintegration. <laughs> it did work pretty fast, but it, it did seem pretty painful. And it was a pretty grisly death because... All the screaming. Obviously, Fajo kills Varya at some point. Right. And when he does, she does disintegrate. And you could just sort of see her slowly disintegrate. Yeah, she screams her head off as she's going out. It's pretty terrible. Yeah, it's pretty awful. But it, it also made me think about the phaser. So it's like the phaser meant to be like a humane way to obliterate someone, to disintegrate someone. So when Riker killed Uta in the <laughs> Riker kills Uta episode. <laughs> yeah, the, the vengeance factor, of course. That meant to be more humane than this. It still seemed pretty fucked up to me. It's still a death ray. He still sets it to kill. I mean, I think stun looks like it hurts, you yeah, know, the way yeah. that people react to that. I don't understand the differences between the phaser is it a laser? Is it a pulse? What is it? And, you know, and how is it different from these things? And then last season, in season two, we saw Loud as a Whisper. That's the episode where the hearing impaired person has his choir disintegrated by what they call disruptors. And those people right. turned into skeletons. Yes, I do remember that. So I guess, I mean, it's just, like, they went out. just like we have different kinds of bullets that are more vicious than other kinds of bullets. Right. It's still like a humane way to incapacitate someone or to disintegrate them. I, you know, it, it kind of becomes a silly, uh, a silly little continuum at some point. It's yeah. Like, if yeah. I'm going to be disintegrated, my choice would be not to be disintegrated. It wasn't necessary. He could just have said this will, you know, this will, this will kill disintegrate you. you. Yeah, yeah. You'll just be destroyed. And but it just makes him extra evil. It I know. A little, a little extra evil. He doesn't mind uh, murdering and disintegrating this employee that who he's had for 14 years working for him. She's not even a second thought. He just murders her. I would like to point out that 14 years is one year longer than Kyle Riker stayed with his son, William T. Riker. We found that out in the Icarus Factor. <laughs> wow. Kyle Riker says that thing like, I put up with you for 13 years. Wasn't that enough? What a deep. What a deep pull that one was. That's a deep pull. Well, I think about that often because it's just the worst thing I've ever heard like a parrot say on that show. <laughs> on, you know, well, not in general, but on that show. I know. There's know, not a horrible thing to say. Well, you know, in Kyle Riker's defense, I mean, the, this show is not really great for parenting anyways. I mean, we've got this poor Wesley running around looking for a dad for three years, and none of these fools will give him a second thought. Mr. Fajo, would you like to... To collect maybe the Mozart of, of space, time, and propulsion? I could be pretty special, and then you could be my dad. Yeah. Th I'll sit in the chair, Mr. Fajo. 
Think about all the special things that are on that ship. I mean, he has all of these things that he could be collecting. You just go, you're, He's just going for the robot. But there is no end to other things that we have never seen anywhere else across the universe that he could have been putting in his little museum of oddities. And I'll wear that jumpsuit. I mean, look what I'm wearing now with these darty pants. That jumpsuit looks pretty smart to me. <laughs> and then I'll sit in the uncomfortable chair, but... You just have to be my dad, Mr. Fajo, okay? Listen, have you ever seen a half-French, half-English man before? I wouldn't mind sitting on a chair. Have you ever seen a captain of a galaxy-class vessel who also does a one-man show of Yentl? <laughs> Papa, can you hear me? So Varya gets, gets <laughs> obliterated in the scene where she and Data are trying to escape. I feel like you're ignoring my Yentl. I'm not ignoring your Yentl. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yentl some more. <laughs> that's all I have. I was kidding. <laughs> oh, that's it. What the fuck? You was, oh, oh, thank you, Mr. Goldstone. You bring, you bring Broadway to our podcast, Mr. Goldstone. Uh, have you heard my one-man show of Frozen coming to you in San Diego? Let it go. I do all the parts. I'm I'm Elsa and the other chick. What's it, Elsa? And is uh, did you know I do the snowman too? What's the snowman's name? Olaf. Everyone knows it's Olaf. I'm Isn't Olaf too. The moose was named Olaf. Olaf's the snowman. The moose is uh, oh. Jan or something like that. <laughs> Yanni. <laughs> It's something Swedish it's, sounding. So Data's trying to escape, and, and Varya are trying to escape because Fajo yeah, threatens to kill Varya with the Varian T disruptor if if Data doesn't sit in the chair. So the Varya is like, "Oh shit, this guy's gonna kill me. Let's get out of here." Right? She should. And they by they now. get to the shuttle, and when Varya starts the process for the shuttle to be able to leave, yeah, she wants to help. Right, him it escape. sets off an alarm, and these right. two anonymous guys come up. They were in the beginning though, too. Those two dudes. Oh, those two when when yeah when she yeah because one of them oh, has like yeah. a Rubik's cube kind of thing on, on his face and it's the same guy that guys get brutalized by Data eventually yeah they get brutalized by Data but what he does and this is the thing I want to bring up is that Data throws them and <laughs> this is the thing I like remember when Data and Lore went at it and they had the Battle of the Barrels yeah Data doesn't punch anybody he never does do you remember the Incredible Hulk TV show did you ever watch that. Oh, of course. With so Bill absolutely. Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. Yes, you can. You don't. You're not going to like me when I'm angry. God damn it! Ding, 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 ding. I always had that haunting theme at the end when he's walking. Ding, 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 ding. I know. I always got so sad when I heard the ending. So I feel bad for them. It's like David. Can't you stay? Because he's David Banner instead of Bruce Banner. So right. Bill Bixby plays the character who should be Bruce Banner, but they call him David Banner because at the time they thought Bruce was not a masculine enough name. Are you kidding? Is that no, why? That's exactly why. Bruce is just about the most masculine sounding name. I mean, how could it be more? It's like Brutus. I always thought it was because they'd always name comic characters with the same the alliterative. So you have like Peter Parker, Clark Kent. I didn't think he was manly enough. Uh, Bruce Banner. I thought it was the two Bs. It didn't seem realistic. So he became. De- <laughs> it didn't seem realistic in the Hulk television show. You know what I hated about the Hulk was when I figured out like the they're going to do two times during the episode. That he's going to turn to the Hulk. Yes. 
They only did it twice. And I, as a kid, I was like, man, can you guys mix this up and just let him be the Hulk longer or something? Or maybe he turns into the Hulk three times this episode. But it was always two times. And it was like watching, you know, one of those old anime shows where the robot transforms into the thing each time. Every time they show you the same footage of Lou Ferrigno kind of transforming from, um, from Eddie's father into Lou Ferrigno as the g- giant green Hulk. I was reading a lot of Starlog back then, Starlog yes, magazine. Yes. And I remember reading articles about the fact that, you know, it was a budget thing. They can only right. afford two Hulk outs per episode. <laughs> I know. So but they had to be careful with their Hulk outs. <laughs> so silly, though. What bothered me, though, as like a six year old was why can't he just be the Hulk longer? You guys can save a ton on having him transform into the Hulk. Just have him be dressed up as the Hulk longer and do more Hulk stuff. I was always upset because, you know, I was reading the comics and the Hulk in the comics, there are issues at a time you never see Bruce Banner, right? right. You don't see Bruce yeah. Banner at all. And the Hulk was doing things like like lifting up tanks and chucking them and, right. you He's know, good. fighting big creatures and stuff. And then right. here, of course, every now and again, he'll fight, you know, some local bar toughs or something, you know, a motorcycle gang. But he never punches. My point is he never punches. Well, he always throws them. Yeah. And this is like all these shows at the time, though. These shows all seem to have the same goddamn formula. We were talking about the A-team last episode, and it's the same formula. This guy. But, but yeah. yes, I was thinking the same thing. And then I remembered, no, we've seen Riker kick people in the face. We've seen right. him like backhand people. We've seen Worf do his palm strike. And remember... We've seen Picard throw in actual punches. He does punch. You're right. Data doesn't punch because if he punches, he tears your head off. Right. That your head just goes shooting out the window. Right. So he's got to throw. So he's got to throw. He's got to do the default TV violence of throwing. But it's weird. It's like, do you remember when Spock would just pinch somebody and they'd fall over dead? I mean, Data, yes. Data doesn't have a move like that, being this ultra-powerful robot just... Grab somebody's hand and squeeze it until it breaks or use a little Aikido or something data. I mean, he's so all powered. The the throwing is really done because it's just a production thing. They can't stunt coordinate that kind of stuff. So it's just easier for him. I don't know if you saw, but sometimes he was throwing and then they cut to another shot where the person is like, you know, being flung and lands right 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 like when the hulk would throw people it seems like they're they're jumping off of a thing it's a stunt person right. the whole point of nimoy and i mean sorry mr spock and the and the neck pinch is he thought it was like undignified that mr spock's not gonna be throwing punches right he's gonna come up and like you know give you the old vulcan neck pinch when we finally get to the episode reunification where data and spock meet data does do the neck pinch right oh, he does oh, do the oh, neck oh, does pinch. he but then he never does it again. Oh, and I didn't it's know really that. sort of annoying that he doesn't keep doing it. Oh. I, I, it really bothers me. But that's just like all these things on this show where they do a thing and then they don't repeat it again because it's too obvious or it's too easy. I do want to talk about this penultimate confrontation here okay. on, on uh, Fajo's ship. Do you see Because what? I like the fact What'd that. What'd you call it? The penultimate confrontation, because it's not their final confrontation. Data will talk to Fajo one more time. One more time. But when they're facing off on Fajo's ship, and Fajo finally goes too far. He finally screws up, and he kills Varya, and then he threatens to kill other people if Data doesn't comply. So Data finally is like, you know what? Here's the logic. I got to kill this dude. Right. You see it in his face. Yeah, he's calculating it. And again, Brent Spiner, God bless him. Wonderful job. 
Exactly. But this sequence is really controversial. A lot of opinions about this. You know, so what happens is he supposedly shoots the gun, it discharges, but at the very same moment, Data is being transported by the Enterprise who have found him, as we've seen happen before, I believe in the Data Lore episode. If you fire a faster-than-light gun, the transporter will also absorb the gun's ray and take it along with it. And so that's what was happening. They tell us it fired, right? Yes. Does a weapon's been discharged? I'm like, O'Brien and Riker are in the transporter bay, and and O'Brien O'Brien says, "I'm reading a weapon in transit with Commander Data. It seems to have discharged, sir." And then Riker's like, "What?" For as good as this episode is, this is a part where it kind of for me falls apart because you you want to believe that Data has the wherewithal to end this dude's life because he's no he knows the equation is better. This guy's going to go on and cause more trouble for other people, capture more people. And he's tell, he says straight out, this guy's a threat to others, so shouldn't I end him? Supposedly, this blast goes off, but it's controversial within the Trek world because uh, the writer of the episode, what was her name again? Sherry Goodhart, and you actually have this backwards. What do you mean? She, she, thinks, she thinks Data pulled the trigger, and Data and Spiner thinks Data pulled the trigger. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm looking right at it right now. Writer no, I Sherry thought- Gur- I thought they both said I asked Brent Spiner whether he thought Data purposely pulled the trigger or not, and he was adamant Data did fire the weapon, which was my intent as well. Oh, that's better. Powers that B wanted to keep it ambiguous. They they did, and the director, the director was kind of lamenting later on, and he was saying that he felt like it it was too heavy-handed what they did with that, and he didn't really want Data to have done something like that, and that wasn't in yeah, his character he thought i understand that but at the same time you know there's a logic to it i mean obviously for <laughs> but, for probably for us yes right because we're not high-minded uh federation types we're like dude kill him every chance you get twist his head off i i, I would not have well been... that's what we're always saying that but the thing that i found even more disturbing is that i didn't really mind that he took that action that he was willing to kill this guy because i could see mm-hmm. it made sense it like it made a right. robot sense right. too like it was a numbers game what i don't understand is that Riker and o'brien know that a weapon was discharged the dude lies basically which he's not supposed to do to Riker when he gets back onto the ship Liar! <laughs> yes he tells him an untruth that he didn't know what happened right Right. Like, so so shouldn't you be more concerned about him lying about shooting than you are about whether or not he's shot? Yeah. And so that makes him almost more sinister or more of a threat, potentially, than he would have been if he just straight out said, yeah, that I shot that dude. Remember when you shot that chick that you wanted to date and nobody gave it a second thought? And, and right, here... Right. Here I've been captured and I'm killing my captor or trying to kill my captor. Well, with- and killing someone who is willing to kill others. Right. He right? Killed- I mean, who's, who's willing to go on a rampage with his Veronti disruptor. So <laughs> right, I, I, right, we, right. we, we got to talk about Jordy because I love Jordy in this episode. Oh, and and honestly, God. Dave, when I appear to die in a shuttle accident while transporting volatile chemicals needed to purge a space poison from some space water, will you look for me like this? Will you put as much effort into this? Yeah, you know, what's funny is that when this dude died, you know, Picard's like, is that a no? <laughs> You're not like, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. It goes without saying. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> Fuck you. What you said was so ridiculous. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was supposed to really say to that. Yeah. <laughs> 
sure, I'll save your life. Of course, Andrew. And when I lay in bed at night uh, 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 trying to figure this out, I will leave my boots on, goddammit, until we find you. You know, and I get it. So so Jordy gets to his cabin and he just like falls in bed because he's really exhausted or something. But it was just really weird. It was like, listen, listen, I, I listen. <laughs> Listen, Mr. Button, we, we'd love to have you actually get into bed and change and everything, but then we got to get your jammies. You got to take your boots off. Then someone's going to have to, like, clean these sheets up and stuff. Right. You just plop down on the bed. It's not that comfortable anyway, Mr. Button. You're not, you're not going to get any rest. Well, he does take off his visor, and I don't know. Is, is that the first time he's taken off his visor on the show so far? Oh, no, no. He had his visor off in the first episode. Did he? Oh, yeah, you're yes, right. You're because, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we haven't seen it very much, and I, I, I did like that. It, it's funny because... Jordy is relentless about trying to figure this problem out. And Picard's like, you know, sometimes accidents happen. We just have to uh, admit things happen in outer space. What are you going to do about it, Jordy? Well, and it shows obviously how well Jordy knows data and, and right. the strength of their connection. Right. And I also like that the, that the Jordy and West team are at it. You know, he's like know. bouncing stuff off Wes. And it's like, a nice character note because I like the two of them working together. Hey, guys, listen, I know the two of you've got a thing where you work together. What about including this empath in the whole thing? She probably knows a few things about something. Well, remember Riker was meant to be Wes's mentor? That was a whole thing <laughs> in the first series that, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. you know, Commander Riker, will you be in charge of looking after him and everything? And Riker was like, yeah, I'm William Riker. I'll totally be in charge. Like a big brother, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I'm yeah. totally down for this. He could be my little wingman. As long as nobody's midriff gets in my way, I'm A1 daddy material. And then after that, it's like, uh, you know, hey, Jordy, I'm William Riker. And I am really hoping that you could just take this brat off my hands. I got shit to do, man. I can't I can't be banging birds if I got to have this kid hanging around. <laughs> hey, uh, it's harshing my mellow. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Listen, Worf, any chance you could squeeze another Roost Eye member <laughs> in on that on that whole ride in there? Hey, Worf, isn't that Jeremy Astor kid getting lonely? I got one for you. And, uh, you know, maybe I can have his mom blown up and make it your fault and you can adopt Wes. What do you think of that? <laughs> hey, listen, Harry's dad, Harry Sr., you know, this kid right here, he's the Mozart of space, time, and equilibrium. <laughs> Some kind of bullshit like that. He's probably excellent at calculus. And he gives no shits about dolphins. <laughs> he has no desire to do anything creative except wear these fucked up pants. But, you know, it's just another thing that Riker was supposed to be all these different right. things. And one of the things he was supposed to be is like Wes's mentor. And, you know, now Jordy's doing it. And I, I actually prefer Jordy doing it. It makes more sense. Uh, it's more, he's and more humane to him. They're a good pair. And when Data's part of the crew, even though they're spending all their time trying to get Commander Riker exonerated on some dubious charges, at least they're a little team. And it's, it's right. an interesting character note. And some of the character notes we haven't been so happy with, like Deanna Troy and her chocolate addiction. This is yes. a character note that works for me, and especially in a character light on those kind of notes like Jordy, this is a good one. I mean, not with everybody, because poor Deanna and our poor doctor and, and, and then Denise Crosby, you know, she doesn't do a goddamn thing in this episode except stand there on that little crystal podium. Well, Denise Crosby, I mean, that's not even... You can't. Denise Crosby continues her, her best role in the show as a dead hologram on a crystal thing. 
How much more did Deanna Troy or Beverly Crusher do in this episode than the hologram of Denise Crosby? That, that's what I'm trying to say. Well, you got me there. And it's, it's one of those things, too, when you saw that hologram, you're like, oh, that's it's sad. nice. They're going through Data's stuff, and they come across his memento of Yar's death that I guess they all got these kind of Academy Awards at Yar's funeral that they could take with them. <laughs> no one else has one. <laughs> Data's the only one that has one. We saw it before, and you know what I was trying to figure out was, did Denise Crosby come in? She's standing there as a hologram on top of the, the statue thing. That like it's, a, it's something you can hold in your hand, but did she come in for a day or for an afternoon and shoot that footage again, or was that stuff that they recycled? I couldn't from the last time we saw it, which do you remember which one that was? Yes, when, when she dies in Skin of Evil, she has that scene at the end where she's, right. she's doing her sort of last will and testament in the world of the Windows 95 desktop. Right, because it's all super RGB blue. And that's the shot. You know, she's oh, standing okay, there, right. and they lift that one. And I don't know if they had to make, like, a special arrangement or something and say, so, Denise, you mind if we just... We didn't see that before, though? We never saw that again until now? No, we saw it. We saw it in Measure of a Man. That's because, the one I was trying to remember. Right. Okay, I, I thought we'd seen it another time. Okay. We saw it in Measure of a Man, and now we saw it here, and... I don't know why I'm so fascinated with that. Production-wise, I just wonder if they were able to pull that footage and use it as the hologram or if they had to get her to come in for a special shot. I got a feeling it would have been a hand puppet if they had to like go through all the trouble of like, you know, Miss Crosby, do you mind coming in for like five seconds and putting on this <laughs> outfit and just standing there like an idiot and then leaving again? <laughs> it seems like no, but I couldn't find any uh, evidence either way. What I like about it, too, is you get this catalog of items right. told the story of data, right? The painting, the violin, yeah. the poker stuff, the Shakespeare, the crystal. And here's a person who's not supposed to have emotions or feelings, and he obviously has feelings because he's keeping this memento of Yar around still. Yeah, I mean, that's dumb. Of course, he, you know, we all know he has feelings of some sort. Well, he feels like killing people sometimes if, if he thinks it's the right thing to do. I don't know how much of it is the writers and producers and how much of it's Brent Spiner, but it just shows how he's like quietly creating this distinctive character. And, you know, over the course now of almost th completely three seasons, we have a very strong sense of who Data is because right. we actually have seen Data's hobbies. We've actually seen these character notes with Data, and it's, it's, it's very cool. I chalk up the consistency of it to the actors, and, and it's not Data's doing it, and it's really obvious when it's Data because he is the, such an unusual character because he's this android, and he's replicating this android's behavior. But we have consistent characters throughout, you know, Worf, and Picard and Riker, even Wesley, all these people feel like they're real people to me. No longer are we in episodes where they are acting so differently from episode to episode. The actors feel like they have these roles nailed. And when the scripts come in and they're a little different or they're doing things that don't make as much sense, especially somebody like Spiner is adjusting around that and making the character feel consistent. And, you know, he's, he's, always seems like data i never feel like he's not doing it right well that's actually a good point because remember the last outpost and they were trapped that was the first ferengi episode oh my god and they're trapped the ship can't move they're they're trapped so riker's like let's get the ship going fast and then see if we can't get it to stop or something like that just to shake them loose and jordy goes like yahoo oh whoopee! yeah 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 whoop 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 Whoop, whoopee, whoop, whoopee, whoopee, 
Whoopee! Whoop, whoopee! <laughs> and I'm just like... Eh. That's early, early Jordy. But it's like, that's the only, you know, and, and now, you know, the reason they stood out for us as so awkward and weird then is because this is the Jordy we're used to now. Right. Right. Yeah. This is the one we knew when we were going back to those earlier episodes. Right. And and it's just good to see the data and the Jordy that we know and love have really starting to take shape. Agree. And even in some of these episodes that we don't think are the greatest episodes, we still have the characters behaving and being who we think they are. And so we still oftentimes have these character moments that still work within the episode and make at least a few of the scenes in that episode work. Oh, speaking of characters who had sort of an awkward beginning, what, what about Mr. Worf here in this episode? What a weird note for Worf in this one. I don't understand how the rank and the hierarchy on the bridge works. Well, you know, Picard's like, oh, we, we need someone to replace Data Tops. I'm thinking of Worf. And Riker's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, how many other series regulars can we stick in this chair? Who's going to run the... Isn't Worf head of security? Yes. And what was Worf before he became head of security? That's a very good question. And that was part of the problem, right? <laughs> there too. He would stand there behind Yar. They were both like, security people and it's like well why are you standing there but not one of them was in charge right they were both on an equal level as far as i understood yar was in charge of security and war so was just like some dude <laughs> so there was no title for Worf at that point then all right yes that now he becomes the head of security and then he also has a qualification to become the chief science officer oh, he's not the chief science officer he's just sitting at ops now but isn't Data is also like third the... Of command. Right. Data's not like Spock. I mean, they never say you're the chief science officer, Mr. Okay. Data. You got a captain and a doctor and, and an engineer. I always thought of Data that way because he's so, you know, smart. Well, yeah, but this is the kind of thing that struck me when Worf is at Ops and he starts rattling off all that techno bullshit about what's going on in the planet. You know, I'm getting concentrated tricyanite readings of 70 grams per cubic centimeter at the source coordinates. You know, he's just talking about all this stuff like off the top of his head. And I realized he's reading it off the display, right? That that's the whole point of being an ops. You have this display in front of you. He's reading it off the display. So I'm like, maybe Data's not that smart. Maybe he's just reading <laughs> shit off the computer. <laughs> well, maybe or Worf smarter than he comes off. Maybe he shouldn't be the head of security and he's really science minded. And he should have been in that position anyways. Probe on target. Hytridium entering water table. Disbursement slightly faster than expected. Well, how do you know that, Mr. Worf? Because it says right here. Look, come here. Wesley, come over here. Read that. What does that say? He's right, Cap. Excuse me, Mr. Worf. Are you reading that shit? Well, duh, Captain. It's right there. Worf and Troy had a little moment for us. The, 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 the one scene Troy actually has is when she's counseling Worf in the elevator, it's sort of a moment of intimacy, like like friendship intimacy, where she actually cares about him and she's trying to advise him and help him. And later on, that spark turns into a relationship. And I, I just wonder if this is like the very beginning of that. That's an interesting observation because we uh, coming up in a couple episodes, we have another Riker Troy with a Ferengi in it. Oh, please. I thought you told me there's no more Ferengis in this show. Crusher actually does show up when they go down to Beta Agni to right. check on the water contamination. 
Crusher shows up for two scenes, basically. She shows up to go look at the water in that magical grotto that they go down to. Right. And she's the one that kind of figures it out. You know, right. she's the one that kind of says, you know, the only reason you would need this stuff is to cure this particular problem. And then Picard says, give me the file on traitor Kivas Fajo. And then the computer says, a noted collector of rare and valuable objects, including Starry Night by Van Gogh and blah, 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 blah. And at no point did they do that earlier. <laughs> That's why you well, have but a at goddamn no point are, are they like, you know, like a, a computer? Who is this asshole we're going to get the stuff from? Is is he someone we should be worried about? It's such silliness. They're so naive in the future. They, they trust everybody. I think that's what we're supposed to believe. There's a layer of detail that the show lacks a lot of times. And it's really just one line in that part where maybe this guy is working under an assumed name and they go, wait, his name is this. And then somebody runs a double check or does something or Deanna steps yeah, in. You're, you're doing a lot of work. I, I'm just saying that that's a lot of work. That's the way of solving it. So that two 50 plus year old dudes, you know, 30 years later are <laughs> sitting around tearing the show apart going, why couldn't you guys have <laughs> written a little more dialogue? So they, that they shouldn't be working with that guy. Should they? Right. We it, got 48 minutes. You want to waste some time throwing that in there? You go right ahead. But we, I didn't got time for that. It's so often some of these things that we're hung up on are solved by something pretty easy to write your way around. And as we have said from the beginning, the show is this huge production that's jamming out 25 episodes a year. They just have to keep moving. Sometimes there's going to be things like this that just don't work because they didn't have time to really go back and iron every little bit of this out. And all in all, it's a good episode. I Absolutely. mean, there's some wonderful moments. I really, really, really like Kivas Bajo. As a character, I really love Saul Rubinek's performance. I think it's amazing. Yeah, he's great. You know, Spiner plays off him beautifully, and it's fun. It's just plain fun. Also, it's it's clever. It's something different. Here's this guy collecting people. If you're going to see extreme personalities, I would rather see extreme personalities like this than like Tam Elbron or Mr. Horny in The Prize. <laughs> Raw. I'd rather be seeing characters like this. They're at least sort of challenging right. antagonists. Well, they're villains instead of somebody that's just in there to kind of gum up the works of the narrative. Instead, they're actually things to play against and, and let our characters be heroic or have danger thrown at them instead of the neurosis stuff that we come up against most episodes. Guess what we get to see next time. And what is it? Venerable Mark Leonard returns from oh. Sarek, the uh, father of Mr. Spock. Oh, 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 Papa, do you hear me? In an episode that we call Sarek. I love the struggle that they seem to have with these titles sometimes. And then, then one lands like this. Simply Sarek. That's it, boys. <laughs> Simply Sarek. What are we going to call this one? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a real brain teaser. Uh, check me if I'm wrong, Andrew, but I think this is our second uh, original cast member to come back on the next gen show well yes i mean uh original cast cast adjacent you know sarek is a, a deal character has appeared in the movies has right. appeared in a couple of episodes yes he's never really a member of the enterprise yes the answer is yes let me say this for for all the super fans i know there have been many actors from the original series who have appeared on this show already but they just have not 
been the same character that they were on the original series. Don't forget Majel. Don't forget Majel. I, I know, but she was. She's not. She, was she the computer? So she's the she's the second. So the third would be. Wait, but Majel was are, Nurse Chapel. She was on there. I know, but she's not Nurse. I'm saying she's not Nurse Chapel on this show. I'm saying. Oh, you I'm mean say, a character? I'm oh, saying the character. Uh, Saying the Color character. me red. I thought you were talking about an act. You know. Yes, we've had many actors from the original oh series already. I'm gosh, saying that I the character foolish. we had, we had uh, McCoy in the Farpoint Station, and then yes. we're going to have Sarek. Yes, I've never felt so foolish. Okay, all right. Actually, I've felt a lot more foolish than this. But so next time, four more episodes. Four more episodes oh, to the end man. of season three, Commander. Uh, and if you're lucky, there'll be another Ferengi hiding in the wings. Please, I've got to get my teeth back in. Dave, I can't wait to spend time with you, Dave. I, I spared you tonight with um, not doing any uh, Ensign Do. I spared you tonight not doing any Armus. I'm also going to spare you my Ferengi impression. I'll save it for when he shows up again. <laughs> when they appear magically before you. Ugh. Thank you for spending time listening to our foolishness. As always, I am Ambassador Andrew, and with me is... Commander Dave E. Dave. And thank you for listening. Let's go mine the store, man. No one with holes all over their face was harmed in the making of this episode. Oh, that's not entirely true. I, I had people sticking fingers in, the, in my holes. I had one guy over there sticking a finger in this hole, and another guy... Shut up, whole face. Just shut up. <laughs> no, uh, no one-man shows were hurt in the making of this episode. Uh, hello, boys. Did you know I have a one-man show of Yentl coming up? So Data doesn't want to be naked, won't sit in an uncomfortable chair, and will slowly and painfully kill his captor with a Veron T disruptor? <laughs> This robot is a badass. It's the end of season three, and Trex starts feeling all nostalgy for the original series. I mean, it's been like uh, 69, 79, 89, 30 years. It's time to bring back a familiar from the original series, right? Do, 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 do. The seal is broken, man. Unleash your old characters. We're ready to we're ready to see them all. That's right. It's original series character, Sarek. It's me, the great and powerful Sarek. Who's he, you might ask? Well, he's Spock's dad. That's right. And if you're asking who's Spock, well, you might want to pick another podcast. Ever wonder what would happen if Next Gen visited the Planet of the Apes? If the Enterprise was thrown off course, you know, did a time travel thing, and ended up on Planet of the Apes. Do 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 do. That was my attempt at, at doing the battle music as a as an ape. And it's the return of geriatric favorite Commander Jameson from season one. Honey, it's me. Hey, baby, I'm going to get really young and then kind of hump on you, if you don't mind. Then O'Brien rivets with his powers of observation. Oh, Faith and Megara, isn't that your dad and Dr. Pulaski? Hey, I think he's trying to make time with her. I'm going to continue to star. <laughs> and did you know that Andrew and Dave's Enterprise D carries the Mozart of space, time, and 
Scooby Snacks? Knock it off, Ensign Doo. Ray, Retrush Rally, Ray, 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 Rory. And just when you thought she beamed onto the Enterprise for the last time, Nancy Reagan returns. Again. Happy birthday. Ah! Jones for more Vulcans. It's old Vulcans, apes, O'Briens, talking dogs, and Nancys. Fascinating. On Season 3, Episode 23 of STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast, Sarek. <laughs> They put creatures in our bodies and made us say lies. Lies. <laughs> lies. Oh, good lucky you. Yes. We had it here for so now. We get to hear the let it go. Let it go. Every go, 20 minutes. Let it go. But that's the shuttle that Andrew. <laughs> Andrew. Oh, yeah. Where did, where did he go? <laughs> that's the shuttle. Oh, hey, I don't know if you remember, but that's the shuttle that Picard killed himself in. Do you remember that? Well, this is the one where he fights Chuck Norris. And this is when. when oh, Chuck yeah, Norris... yeah, yeah. Wait, that's. Re... Yeah, 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 I yeah. totally Chuck remember Norris that one. His back is all hairy and he's wearing this. <laughs> I had a real hard time with Chuck Norris. Like, as a kid, I couldn't get behind Chuck Norris in his own movies because I, I just couldn't I couldn't believe that he would try to yeah, kill Bruce yeah. Lee. I was like well, you know, Bruce was Lee was my job. favorite person for a, a while. Job. Well, but he was a bad guy and I I mean outs I mean until Fonzie came around, Bruce Lee was like my favorite yeah, person on the enough. whole planet. Listen, I don't know if you're aware, but I'm about to do my one man show of lentil lentil. <laughs> Not did <you>? lentil. <laughs> lentil what did you say, Dave? <laughs> that one's going. Hey, I don't know. I don't know if you're aware. Look, and killing someone kill who's captor. willing to kill Wait. others, right? I mean, who's who's willing right, to go killed... on, on a rampage with his Veron? Oh, excuse me. Who's willing to go on a rampage with his Veron T disruptor? <laughs> she goes. You got to get that Carol Kane <laughs> scream. Yes. Of lentil, of lentil, of lentil. Did you know I have a one-man show of lentil coming up? It's called Lentil in the Soup. Papa, can you hear me? Can you feel me making soup for you? Probably never knew that when I was younger, I used to do this all the time, because I can raise my left eyebrow, right? Which apparently not everyone can do. So, like the kids at school would be like, "Do it, do it," and I would just go, "Fascinating." Fascinating. 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 Rationating. So, yeah, I hope you can use one of those. You know, stars when they get old, like, remember, um, uh, not Lana Turner, um, who used to do the oh, Fancy never. Feast cat commercials? Oh, some really famous actress. Um, oh, oh, Lauren Bacall. I can't remember her name. Yeah, Lauren Bacall. She's do it's fancy, it's fancy Feast, darling. But I've always thought of, like, people like, Barbara Streisand, when she gets really old and has to do TV commercials and she has to do something for like lentils or something, and she has to do like a play on, on Yentl. Yentl of lentils or Idris. I always think of like Idris Elba, but he's selling like elbow um, macaroni or something. Oh my God. Oh my God.